There we go. Y'all listen. I'm that boy, Fred. Coach Hurricane Hen back again, baby. First of all, con- big congrats to Coach Hurricane Hen. Big congrats <laughs> on winning that state championship last week over in that Superdome. My man, Coach Hen, it's a little, you know, it's, it's sure find his coaching career one of the best D-line coaches in the country. I'm bragging on you, baby. I'm bragging on you, baby. I'm getting you all sauced in. You've been out. Coach Hen has been out for about the past four or five weeks, and me and G Sports have been holding it down, but Keith, Coach Hen been putting that work in, putting that work in, and he is back. Thank everybody for subscribing to FanView Live and View on Facebook. Um, sponsored by New Orleans Talk Network. Again, like the FanView Live page. If you're on Facebook, like our page. If you are on YouTube, like our page. If you are on Twitter, that's FanView Nola. If you're on IG, it's FanView Live. And don't forget to subscribe. to. If you want, We're on Spotify, baby. We're on Google Play, baby. we all over podcasts, baby. We, we get nationwide, Coach N. Yes, sir. All over the place, baby. My man G Sports will be logging in via Zoom. We got so much to talk about and so much to go on on in today's show. Um, we're going to be talking Urban Meyer. You know, we can still have some things talk going on in this show here today. Um, we're going to be recapping the state championships and, you know, transfer protocols. So much to stay tuned in, stay locked into the episode. But we have one of our big-time guests who's a fan of this show. One of the legends in the state of Louisiana, baby. If yes. you talk about Sports Report, baby, he is one of the GOATs in this state of Louisiana. He's the CEO of Crescent City Sports, Ken Trahan. Are you on the line with us right now? Right here, guys. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Kent. Appreciate you having you back. <laughs> nice to be here. Good to visit with you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And always a pleasure to talk with good people. Yes, sir. Not, yes, that's not sir. a problem. Yes, sir. Hey, Mr. Trahan, let's, let's, let's go ahead and start it off with the um, LSSAA. Uh, what was your thoughts on the Prep Classic this year? Well, my thoughts are the same every year. It's way too long and way too expansive and way too many championships. And in some cases, it's not even real champions. And I'm not trying to, do, you know, really rip the schools. It all it has nothing to do with the schools. It's the principals and what they opt to do and the message they send to our kids uh, by splitting. You know, here we are in a society today where there's so many differences. And I, I don't operate that way. I'm one of those people that's looking for solutions and trying to meet people in the middle and trying to find common ground. It's what we all should do in my estimation. So nobody listens to the kids because if you ask the kids, they want to play. If you ask the kid at Carr, if he wants to play the kid at St. Thomas More, he said, absolutely. If they have a chance to compete for a state championship in 4A, of course, Carr is moving up to 5A. If you ask uh, the young man at Zachary, if he wants to compete with Catholic High for a state championship, the answer is absolutely. But nobody's asking the kids. It's principals voting. So you have nine championships in a state that has fewer than 300 schools playing football. That's absurd. And then, of course, the kids on the select side, they really get screwed because in some classes they've got 10 schools, 11 schools participating. So they only get two or three rounds of playoffs. So it's really unfair to the kids. As for the games themselves, there were some good games and some good performances individually. And I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of it. It makes for a long day or two. I was camped out in the dome at 730 in the morning on each day and getting out of there at midnight. But, hey, that's what we do and that's what we sign up for. So love the sport. Love the good stories to report on. I did a couple of the broadcasts for the 4A game and the 5A game, which was fun as well. But I desperately hope that we can find some sort of solution to amend this nine championship structure that we have right now. I just don't think it's good for the sport or for the other sports. Basketball with 12, which is absurd. 
baseball and softball with 12, which is ridiculous. So, and the other sports are not split, and those seem to go pretty well. But then again, the major sports, separate and apart. Sad in my estimation. Uh, Ken Trahan, let me ask you a question. We had early sign appeared over in, in Baton Rouge yesterday. Um, some signees were signed with on with LSU. What do you take on LSU getting some of the local kids here in the state and some of the signs they, they were able to sign on yesterday? Well, where LSU is concerned, uh, first of all, the hire of Brian Kelly. Uh, he's. Yeah, hello. Can't, uh, yeah, we can't hear. We can't hear Ken. Mr. Kid, can you too late for Frank Wilson uh, to make a difference? Uh, but he he could have, I think, had he been in place a month earlier. But again, I think we have to examine the whole process. Now that you've got the transfer portal in place, coaches are leaving before bowl games. Kids are opting out. When you have a situation like LSU, where a coach that was popular with players by and large and in recruiting, certainly, you know, Ed Ogeron right. departs. A lot of these kids say, well, I'm not coming now because he's not there. And by the time you hire Kelly or anybody, it's a week and a half, two weeks before signing day. So I think we have to rethink the whole concept of signing day, whether the early signing date is a good idea or not, because given more time, I think LSU could have retained a few of these guys that they lost because I think Frank Wilson's that good. And he has that kind of relationship with so many of these kids and these coaches across the state. And look, as I said before, Kelly's a really good coach. He's proven that everywhere he's been, but you're only as good as what's around you. You have to hire good people and allow them to do your jobs. I'm a huge believer in that. I'm not a huge believer in micromanaging. And I think you hire good people, you let them do their jobs, get out of their way, and you're going to get results. And I think Kelly's going about the business of doing that. So many people want to already judge him for the staff hires and everything else. My response to that is let it play itself out. Let's see how it ends up in terms of his hires before he's done. I would not be shocked at this point if he keeps Durante Jones. When you look at the second half of the season and what LSU did defensively without Eli Ricks, who's gone on Alabama, without Stingley, without two linebackers, without two defensive linemen, they got better. As the year went on without those dudes, which tells me he was settling in and, and really adjusting very nicely to being a coordinator on the college level because it was his first time. And the same thing with the offensive coaches that did not succeed. They were first timers. And of course, you got to put that on Coach Ogeron for the hires in the first place, which is one of the reasons he's not there anymore. But I think Jones distinguished himself, and I think he has a chance to stay on. You've got to hire coaches who can coach. But you really have to hire coaches who can recruit. Gee, you have a uh, question for Mr. Trahan? Um, how you doing, Mr. Trahan? Hey, Jeremiah. <laughs> how you doing? How you doing? Uh, first, uh, when it when it, as it pertains to the state championship games, um, a lot of flack was you know was given to to Coach Jared Phillips and, and Warren Easton for not trying to kick the extra point. Right. Uh, at the end of the game, you know, try, I think they had four opportunities from the two yard line uh, to get in. Uh, what was your take on, on, on all that controversy? What you know from the from the media, from the fan perspective, and also uh, how do you think uh, LSU's signing class is going to shape up? You know, as it pertains to 
Jacoby Matthews, who's still out there, Trafonte Citizen, who's still out there, you know, trying to get those guys, um, you know, to stay home um, rather than going out the state. Yeah, I think Deholdis Crawford's another one that they could get back. Citizen, they're on very hard. Matthews, they're working very hard. And then there's the transfer portal, Jeremiah. You know, that's going to happen. They're going to get some guys in that realm to, to do a quick fix. Uh, and I think that opens itself up to the possibilities because of the way it's structured. So ultimately, are they going to be a quote-unquote top 10 class? Probably not. Right now, they're 18 to 27, which, by the way, isn't bad. It's just that the standards that we've seen for so many years have been much higher than that under Miles and even under Saban and, of course, under Ogeron most recently. I think they'll be all right. I really do. We know where they need help. Offensive line has to be a better group, has to. Uh, quarterback's going to be very interesting. We know that Kelly tried to get Walker Howard to go to Notre Dame, and he ultimately stayed with LSU, so he clearly likes him. Nussmeyer's an interesting talent with arm strength. Whether that can you know, translate to being a good quarterback remains to be seen. So I think they'll be okay. And again, the second signing date, I think you're going to see a lot more names. I think every one of those guys you mentioned, they still have a good shot at. And they've got to resell themselves. But I do think Kelly's record and I think Frank Wilson being on board is a big deal. I think they're going to really respect and like him because everybody does. He's been a close friend of mine for many years, and I know what kind of ties he has and how he's perceived by the coaching ranks and in these schools. So I think that's important. With regard to Warren Easton, I did the game on radio, and my criticism was not at all about the kicking game and whether they should kick the extra point. They absolutely, absolutely you know, wouldn't have kicked in that situation. Look, they missed an extra point badly earlier in the game. And during the year, they missed 49% of their extra points which tells you they can't count on that at all. So why would you be critical of not kicking the ball there? I mean, I've had people tell me, oh, as soon as they got to the, the two or the one, they should have just lined up and kicked the field goal and won the game. Really? They missed an extra point badly earlier. So to me, that wasn't the issue. Here was my issue, though, and I think the world of Jerry and the job he's done. By the way, uh, they've now been there four times and three times under Jerry. Try doing that. That's pretty hard to do. So much respect here for that staff and my friend Noel Ellis and the whole group. But the fact of the matter is that the one thing I would have done differently, and I, I, I just, I'm astonished by this. They got the ball to the one and they still had three opportunities from the one. So what did they do? Lined up in shotgun, quarterbacks five yards back, takes the snap and hands off to a running back against an 11 man front where you only got nine blocking, they're going to get penetration. And the more time you give them, the more time there is to penetrate, and that's what happened. They hit them for a loss, knocked them back, and then, of course, we all know what happened on fourth down with pressure. You know, he slips and falls, and the game's over. My point is this. I don't understand why it's a lost start to just line up under center from the one-yard line and get pushed from behind. There is no more call for aiding the runner. We watch it all the time on the pro level, all the time on the college level, and even on the high school level. It never fails. If you're at the one-yard line, you're under center a yard and a half from the goal line, and you get a push from behind, you're going to score at some point. So to me, that was more the issue than not kicking, is get under center and sneak the football. If you have to do it twice, do it twice. If you have to do it three times, do it three times. I don't think you're going to fail in that situation. I feel terrible for them because they've been so close. Think about this. 
They've now been in the Dome four times, and in three of those games, they've lost by one point. Three times. <laughs> That's incredible. 35-34 to Carr, 28-27 to Neville, and now, of course, 14-13 uh, to a really good Westgate team. So, man, you can't get any closer than that. But it gets back to that whole extra point thing, doesn't it? I mean, that's frustrating as heck. Over the years, I, you know, I was very close to Otis Washington at St. Aug and then Tony Viegas, who was my great friend and still is to this day. And St. Aug lost more seven to six games than I can count on one hand. I can count them on two hands, seven, six games because they couldn't kick an extra point. And then the 34-33 game in 1993 that I did when they lost to West Monroe in overtime on the West Bank, which created that West Monroe program, by the way. Why? Because they went for two, because they missed extra points early, and they had no uh, confidence. They tried to throw the ball at Derek Lewis, which was a good idea. He's pretty good, but (laughs) they lost. But bottom line is, boy, the kicking game is so important. If you look at the Division Three championship game that we did, St. Charles Catholic, they blocked three kicks, and they won the game on a botched punt attempt where they recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. That's how they won the game with the third phase of the game. So kicking game, do everything you can to fix it. Find somebody that can kick an extra point. And then when you get down to the one-yard line or in, it's not going to fail to get under center and sneak the football with assistance from behind. Line up one or two guys behind you, push you forward, get in the end zone. We're having a different conversation, right? As it pertains to the two-part question I, I asked, okay, first about what you said about getting under center, and that's something I've always asked to Coach Bryce Brown. You know, when they've been in situations where they couldn't get a yard or two yards, why do they always get in shotgun? And he, you know, I remember a story when Jabal Jaluk was the head coach way back in, this was like 2005, 2006, they was playing Lutcher when they had Gavin Webster and Jarvis Landry. I don't know if it was a playoff game or if it was a game to get into the playoff, but it was a, a, a game of high magnitude. And uh, one of the assistant coaches kept telling Coach Jabarjaluk to get under center from the one. And they did. The quarterback fumbles a snap. They lose the game. So that's been something that uh, Coach Bryce has always talked about. He said, you know, the way they run their offense is all, always out of the shotgun. They don't really practice getting under center and then when you get in a game of that magnitude and actually your quarterback to get on the center stuff like that can happen and so i think that was what was what jerry phillips is probably was thinking about in that situation now to your point maybe that's something they need to start implementing in the spring having a package where you do get on the center so when you get in those situations like you say have an easier task to be able to get in from the one as it pertains to frank wilson at lsu mr trahan i think those days are over that what frank wilson can just go in someone's house and be able to lure a kid to Baton Rouge. You know, five, six, seven years ago, you didn't have these big-time recruiters in the state like they are now. Jabal Jalou is now at the University of Florida. He got that, that gate on his chest and that Jordan emblem. That's a big deal. Cortez Hankton over there at Georgia, who was a, 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 a team that's in a 14 playoff, he's getting a lot of kids, um, like a kid like Cedric Fran Pran that, that went there, who was the number one center in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the country at that time. And then you got somebody like Dave Johnson. I know Florida State is not where they need to be, but he, that's still Florida State. That still has a, has a history of rich program. So you got all these all these big-time recruiters out of Louisiana and New Orleans at these Power 5 schools. Frank Wilson is going to need some help. Brian, Ke- um, Brian Kelly is going to have to get somebody else in there with some ties to Louisiana to be able to help Frank out, in my opinion, if they want to be able to continue to get these big-time prospects in Louisiana. 
Uh, all good points. Uh, number one, you got to practice getting under center. Right. Um, that's on a coaching staff not to do that. You should have that ability to do so. Number two, Bryce Brown did the game broadcast with me, and he said the same thing, by the way. Get oh, under- for real? <laughs> and so did Willie Brooks, who did the game with me. So to answer that question, number three, last time I checked prior to this year, LSU was the top five recruiting class every year mm-hmm. without Frank Wilson. So uh, while it's great that Corday, who's a longtime friend of mine, having done a lot of his high school games, and Jabbar, who's a longtime friend of mine who I've been communicating with for four weeks now since the whole Napier situation came up and he was communicating with me privately about LSU and other things. Uh, all of those guys are good. David Johnson's a great friend uh, at Florida State, dating back to the days at St. Aug. They're all good, but the fact of the matter is LSU was getting what it wanted every year and having a top five recruiting class, which ultimately, of course, resulted in a national championship. Of course, they've had three national championships under three different coaches dating back to 2003. So I think they've done pretty good in recruiting. I think Frank will help. Can one guy make all the difference in the world? No, not all the difference, but he certainly uh, can make a difference because of his familiarity and friendship with a lot of people. Look, talking to Shaz Preston yesterday when we covered signing day all over the place for CrescentCitySports.com, Shaz said, you know, Frank, Frank made me and my family think twice or three times because we, we like and respect him so much. And had it been a little bit earlier, maybe things would have been different. So I think he can make a difference. I think you're right about it's not the same as it used to be, where mm-hmm. you walk in and get a guy. Uh, that, those days are gone, and you have heavy competition. Van Prime was a mistake on LSU's part. They didn't really recruit him. And right. Considering the fact that LSU's offensive line was below average, and Georgia's pretty good last time I checked. So that was just an evaluation that they made that obviously was not good enough. So – there's that look, uh, the times have changed. Recruiting used to go through coaches, you know that, and everybody does. Mm-hmm. Now it really does, and it goes through families. Coaches play a role. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit more than others, but the coaches aren't the primary guys anymore. So, and they understand that too. The games change. You've got to evolve with the times. Brian Kelly certainly has to understand that. Nobody's understood that better than Nick Saban, right? I mean, obviously, he's older than all of these guys, and yet. He's still doing what he's doing because he's adjusted and adapted to the times and hired people that can do the things that maybe he can't do, but he's a great communicator and it's hard to argue with success. So look, the recruiting game has changed. The game itself has changed. Every year you got to re-recruit players because of the transfer portal. Oh man. It's a business to be in, man. Now the football coaches understand what the basketball coaches have been going through for years now. (laughs) (laughs) They understand that, right? Because- the basketball coaches, I don't think anybody's had it tougher, man. You know, they try to get a kid to come. He's one and done. See you later. You know, two and done. See you later. That's hard. So the guys that have adapted to that well on the college basketball scene have done well. The ones that haven't, well, they've they've really disappeared or gone backwards, if you will. So, yeah, the college landscape's changed dramatically over time, but all very good points. Mr. Trahan, I got a two-point question for you as well before we let you go. Uh, first, um, you know, going back to the prep cl- um, football classic, uh, we seen some outstanding play uh, from uh, Danny Lewis from uh, Westgate, um, uh, uh, Ashton Wilson from from, from us um, on the opposing side attacking Curtis. Um, Trey Holly was as expected. Um, what was what was your thoughts on some of the um, some of the individual players um, in the classic? And then two. Um, to reiterate the uh, the transfer portal, how do you think it's affecting now? And in, in it's not that the transfer portal is full fledged and going. 
um, these high school seniors, um, like because because with with the amount of people that you get in the transfer portal, it's kind of limit. It's taking the scholarship numbers away from kids on this level. Well, I think in terms of the, you know, the maybe, you know, the most impressive under-recruited player that I saw of the nine games that I witnessed was the tight end at Westgate, uh, Danny Lewis. I mean, when you look at Danny Lewis, he's <laughs> I mean, he's an absolute beast. I saw his game. I did his game in the semifinals against Carr. And then, of course, I did his championship game as well. And he was just fantastic. I mean, he's 6'5", he's 235. He catches a pass and he runs 77 yards for a touchdown. Nobody catches him. Uh, he blocks. He lines up in line and blocks. He's dynamite. And Bryce and Willie both said during the game, said, LSU should be all over this kid right now. I mean, he's that good. And I don't disagree with him. I think they're absolutely right. Of all the guys I saw, and Cincinnati's a good school, and obviously they're in the playoff this year. But what a what a get for Luke Fickle if he can come in here and get a guy that's 6'5", 235, can run and catch and block. That's everything you're looking for. And in the case of LSU, they just lost their prime tight end commit, Johnson, of course, Johnson, since his brother's transferring out. He's going to go to A&M. So that's a guy I would point to right away and say that's that's one player that, to me, stuck out like a sore thumb as being somebody that I thought was just terrific. Look, uh, I could say the same thing about virtually every receiver on the Ponchatoula team. Every one of them are that good. Orion Walker is going to Michigan. He's long. He's not slow. He can run some, too. Cody Finley is huge. He's not real fast, but he's fast enough. And you look at the role LSU's crafted for Besh. Finley could fill that beautifully. I mean, as a, as a guy that plays as a hybrid player with his size and ability to go catch the ball. Then you talk about Scrappy Osby. He got hurt returning the second off kickoff, but he can go. I mean, he can really run. And as I said before the game, Ponchatoula had the best wide receiving core in the state. When you throw Jacoby Matthews in there on offense with those three dudes, man, that's special. And that's not even counting Braden Johnson, who was their best player. Braden Johnson played that game with a separated shoulder. Few people knew that. And he didn't have any chance to run anyway because Zachary's defensive front just absolutely dominated. Ponchatoula's an offensive front. They weren't going to let Johnson get going. But Johnson's the other one that's the most under-recruited player. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's typecast or what it is, but he's six foot two fifteen and he runs a four five and he just ran for over eighteen hundred yards. And as a linebacker, he had nine sacks when he plays defense, a dynamite player and a guy that right now has all state school offers and a few other things. Really good under-recruited. In fact, he was our player of the year for the Great New Orleans quarterback club, which I run. And it wasn't even really close in the voting that took place with the people that watch these games on a day in day out basis. So he's another one that certainly comes to mind with his abilities. Uh, obviously, you know, when you look at the division three game, the linebacker, Kyle Cannon, a sophomore at St. Charles, he's really good. Uh, I mean, he's a sophomore. He can run and he can hit. He's already 200 pounds and he's just a sophomore. He's a player that I would absolutely watch definitively in the future because I think he's got a great future. It was Really impressed with him. Catholic high, Tay Nicholas, you know, the running back was terrific against Jesuit. He's fast. He's got size and he can really play. He split time with Singleton all year, but he's the more talented player and has a great future. Of course, Emory Jones is going to LSU. Their offensive lineman, he's dominant. He has great feet. A really good athlete for his size. 
was very impressed with him. And, you know, I think by and large, those are guys that stood out in my mind. Uh, Zeph Powell at has two or three kids. In fact, Ashton Wilson, who got MVP in the game, had 17 tackles. He can play for me. Uh, again, he plays his pants on fire. He can really run. And by the way, that was a heck of a win for Amy. They just shut down Manny. I picked him to win it all before it started. So Zeph made me look good. And I appreciate that. So those are a few names that certainly come to mind. Listen, well, listen, coach. Listen, listen, Contrian, listen, it was a blessing to have you. I love when you come on here. You drop so many gems, so many jewels. I mean, we could listen to you all day. <laughs> I mean, I, I love having you on, man. You you come and drop gems. You come in. I appreciate you supporting the show. I really, really love having you on here. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, contacting us, calling in, man. We deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate it. Um, Anything I can do for you guys, and and I really appreciate talking to Jeremiah and, and you too, Fred, and of course, all Hurricane there, my buddy. Appreciate. It. Very much sporting that FSU shirt, man. Deion Sanders is laughing at you right now, buddy. No, nah, hey, this this our this our old Amy um is definitely laughing right now. <laughs> I'm just with you, man. Uh, uh, you got the you got the Warriors going great shape. Look, you guys did a fantastic job. Look, we did the game last year with Manny, and that was a jump ball game. You know, on Crescent City Sports, you easily could have won that game. And when I looked at their team this year, their quarterback wasn't a runner. Their running backs were good, but they weren't big like last year. And your defensive line was bigger and could stand up to those big dudes. That's why I thought you beat them. And I told Zeph that during the week, and it turned out to be accurate. So props to you. Congratulations. Couldn't be happier for you. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Trahan. Thank you very much. Let's you got it, Henry. Merry Christmas to you guys. Appreciate you, man. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. Same man. to you, Mr. Trahan. All right, gentlemen. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all know what it is, man. It's Crescent City Sports right there. Y'all know what it is. CEO, Ken Trahan, coming on FanView Live, dropping gems, dropping jewels. I love having him on. Yeah, man, for, 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 for what he does, For what man, he does. Um, not only, you know, for people who don't know Mr. Trahan's backstory, you know, he, he's, been, he's been a sports writer as long as we've been living. Living. Um, he's actually the, the director of the Saints Hall of Fame. Yes. He he wears all these different hats, and then he still has time and and passion enough for the kids that he created Crest City Sports to give them another outlet to shine. And the thing the thing I love the most about uh Crest, the Crest City Sports um that he that he created he doesn't charge nobody nothing for it. Yeah, all his when he stream a game he stream it he streams it um. For free, he doesn't charge nobody for it because it's all about giving exposure back from the area that he's grown up in, that he's from, that that he loves, and and to me that's the biggest kudos because you see all these different entities now that's coming about um, that that charges parents to watch their kids play, play, you know, when they might not be able to travel this far or you know have some have some other. So they have to work or something like that. Correct. You know, just you know that that takes a big burden off off of a parent when you can just you can still support your kid, and not have to worry about the financial implications of it. So I, you know that big 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 shout out to Mr. Trey. And, and for people who are on Twitter who are watching us who are going to get the, um watch this stream, listen, go follow Ken Trahan at Ken Trahan on Twitter. Just go follow. You'll be pleasantly surprised. <coughs> You'll be pleasantly surprised. Just go follow Ken Trahan at Ken Trahan on Twitter. 
Listen, I want to stay in college football right quick before we jump over to pro football. I do want to discuss the transfer portal. It's been in a lot of conversations about what's going on in the transfer portal. I'm going to start with UG Sports. What is your position about the transfer portal? I know I got my position about it. I got two gripes with it. But what is your – start off with you, G. What, what's your take on this transfer portal and how it's affecting college football? It's affecting college football from a standpoint of you about to start, you about to start seeing, if you haven't already started seeing, uh, schools take less high school kids in these recruiting classes. So a lot of kids are getting offered scholarships and, you know, leading up to signing day, they're not committable. Uh, they're not able to sign to that particular school that they, that they probably feel like that they can, you know, go in and make an impact because these college coaches and these universities would rather get a guy that's already, you know, in college that, that has went through the, um, the, uh, Spring. the trials and the, the trials and the tribulations that you have to go through as a freshman, um, the learning curve, um, understanding how to take care of your body. You know, they would rather get a guy that's already been through that, um, for a year or two and bring him in so he can make an immediate impact. You know, so many kids come in as a true freshman and don't be physically ready. Uh, a lot of them come in as true freshmen and, and not ready between the ears. And so that's why you're seeing so many college coaches going to the transfer portal. I think that it's, it has a, it is a gift and a curse. Uh, you know, the good to it is if you go to a school and, and, and you're not playing or, you know, uh, you feel like you're not getting your due diligence when it comes to um, how many snaps you're playing a game or whatever the case may be when it comes to playing time or how you're being coached, how you're being managed, uh, you have the opportunity to move on, all right? Because these college coaches, when they get a job offer, they have the opportunity to move on. If, if somebody calls and offers them more money or if it's a better school, a better situation, so why shouldn't the kids be able to do it? I, th- I, th- I w- The only thing I would say is, is being abused at this point because soon as a kid goes through some type of adversity, soon as a kid goes through a situation where they feel like uh, they think they're better than the player that's, that's getting more playing time than them, they're ready to leave and get in the transfer portal. And right. that's not always the answer. You know, some, some kids need to understand, man, this is a process and some, you know, you're not, you don't have a, a bunch of Derek Stingley's walking around in, uh, around the country where they can just come in and play as a true freshman. Some kids, some kids and parents have to be more realistic and have and set more realistic expectations for their child when they're going into college. You can't skip steps in this process. And that's the problem. Kids are feeling entitled. They think because they was top 25, top 50 in the country, or they was the best kid in their state or the best player on their team. They think they should come in in college and just be the guy and, and, and get so much playing time. And if you play receiver, get get all these balls thrown to them. Or if they playing DB, they should be able to be the starting right corner, start left corner, start nickel, whatever the case may be. And the fact of the matter is you have to wait your turn sometime. And uh, I think it starts at home with these parents, uh, whoever advising these kids, whoever's mentoring these kids. If you get more people advising these kids, the right type of people advising these kids, you won't, so, you won't see so many kids dropping in the, hand, in the transfer portal soon as they go through some type of adversity as a freshman. And so that's my take on it. Uh, I do think they need to keep the transfer portal. They, keep, they, they still have what well, these players do have some type of power. Um, but they just got to have more people um, advising these kids the right way and having the right type of people in their corner. What's your take, Coach? Uh, for me, um, as a high school coach, um, 
I see both sides of it. I was I will say this. Um, I think the transfer portal should stay, but I think there should be limitations on it. Um, I think a team shouldn't should not be allowed to have like more than five transfers on a team like at a separate period of time. That way, you still you still allow twenty scholarships for that for that high school class that comes. Because you're only allocated twenty five. Yeah, you know, um, I also think it should be rules in place for like. If a coach leaves for another program or something like that, um, like transfer transfer should be able to be like limited on 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 that end. Like like if you lose your coach, like if your if a coach leaves and goes to another program, then that program can't accept transfers for that for that year or something like that. You know, make you got to make it a balanced game because ultimately, you know, it's about the kids. You know, it's not it's not about the school. It's about the kids. So, like, if you have, if you have a, if just think about like um, a team that's from, from G's um, neck of the wood, Edie White, who just had a phenomenal run, and they got some seniors that did it the right way, and let's say they got, um, I don't know, um, G, what's the closest college? Uh, Nickel State. Nichols, let's say Nickel State um, is about to offer four of them, but then since Coach O left LSU, you get four kids that's close from that area that wants to transfer in. So now these kids, you know, E. White, you know, they they planning to go. I'm going right down the street home to play college ball for a terrific head coach, and now I can't sign. It's not committable and all that stuff. So now parents, you know, parents, their parents might not be financially set enough to pay for them for college stuff. So you, you it's a whole domino effect to where it's affecting not only the level that you're at, but the level that's getting to you. Um, so I think that's something that needs to be um addressed in that point of view. But also to piggyback off what G said, like the pro the recruiting process, you gotta understand it's a business. It's a yeah. business from from top to bottom. But as players and as like as coaches, what we do, um, well I can't speak for all programs, but like so, what, what, I know at our program what we do, like we sit down. And we talk with our kids, like, what schools you looking at? Boom, boom. All right, so at this school, this is your position coach. This is some of the kids that he's produced, but let's look at this kid who's kind of built like you. Let's see how he progressed since you got there. And then just because the name on the – look, just because the name on the school might say Bama – Doesn't mean it's I, a for you. And I show you, like, hey, look, this is a kid that's – you're kind of you're kind of same frame. Like, hey, look, it might not be the best fit for, for you. you. As a player to like, because we want to see our kids get on the field as early as possible. Yeah, it doesn't you know, mean that, that you that, can't play you know, there. You know what I'm saying? But I guess on the flip side, I would say, hey, but look, let's look at this kid at Missouri. He came in, boom, look at what he's doing now. He's he's about to get ready to be a draft pick. It was a, it was a time where when I was at St. Helena and we had kids, uh, some of the guys on D-line that might have had like like Arkansas, um, Auburn and was looking at them and said, man, look, forget them. Missouri giving you an offer right now. Take that. But Cole, man, they they horrible. Forget forget the record also. What's better for you? Look at what this D-line coach is producing right now. Well, every year he has a different player leading them in sacks and they getting drafted. Why not go there? He he obviously knows what he's doing. It's not about the name on the chest. It's what's better for you. You know, and I think that all comes in into fruition when you when you actually have the right people behind you who doesn't care about the school you signed to, but better, what's the best situation for you? But 
I will say this um, to add to what y'all are saying. I do think that in college football, the transfer protocol should stay. I'm going to make that part very crystal clear. I think kids should have the right to transfer schools and go to different schools due to whatever situation they see deemed fit. I think every kid should have one transfer they should be able to take. We'll watch That's how it is. No, no, That's but, the rule right now. You but, get one. Yeah, but a lot of kids, are, we, we got, you got other kids who still transfer, and this is on their second transfer. They got some nah, kids. Uh-uh, uh-uh. The only way you can transfer for a second time is if you, you graduate. You have to graduate. You have to graduate. You can transfer. You have to graduate. Like, yeah, I could tra- yeah. But I could once you once you use that transfer portal one time, you can't transfer yeah. again. If you do, you, you have to sit, sit out, out of here. You should sit out of here. You should sit out of here. You should sit out of here. Yeah, that's that's how that's how it's currently. That's how it is right now. Now, but here's the bigger problem that you have right now. When the kid transfers school, the school gets back the scholarship, right? Because they got 85 scholarships available, but they only have 25 in allocation for that recruiting class year. So now we're going to probably start seeing a lot more kids getting this early signing period because all transfers are coming in this early signing period wave. So if you're a school and you use six or seven of the allocation on transfers, you are eliminating a, a healthy batch of the, of the, of the true freshmen. So you're going to start seeing more kids getting this or trying to find a way to get in this early signing period to get signed mm-hmm. because you got transfer. You got to, this is a business. And so what's starting to happen is that shift is starting to happen to where, again, when this thing first started, you had like 1,500 transfers. Last year, you had 2,600. This year, we don't, they don't even have a stat for it yet. But I can promise you the number is over 3,000. Some of these kids going to be left out without a scholarship. And I'm talking about some of the transfers. Some of the transfers need to start paying attention because some of these programs are going to say, you know what, I'm going to allocate 20 or 21 to two freshmen. I'm not, not going to allocate this to you. And some of these kids are going to be left out in darkness, transferred because they can't go back and get their scholarship. Some of these kids are going to leave because this number is starting to grow each and every year. It's, it's so I can promise you it's above 3,000 right now. That's a lot. Now, some of these kids who have five-star and four-star that they had a brand come out of high school, they're going to find a place. But some of these kids who are on transfer and leave their scholarship and the school going to have the allocation back, but they only got 25 for this year, they're going to be standing on the outside looking in because some of these schools going to say, you know what? I'm only taking two or three of y'all because obviously y'all don't show commitment, y'all don't show discipline, and I'm going to put it into these true freshmen. And they're going to have a lot of kids sitting outside saying to themselves, well, what happened to me and what happened to me and what happened to me? So... uh. Fred, I'm going to tell you, bro, uh, I got to disagree with you on that. These college coaches want somebody that can come in and make an immediate impact. You know, they'll take a kid that had, that has had character issues out of Kentucky, or Missouri, Arkansas, whatever they at, and bring them into their program because they know they can come in and make an immediate impact on the field. It's about producing. They want somebody that can come out there and produce. And when you bring in a true freshman, you know nine times out of ten, a true freshman is not coming in and making an immediate impact. It just is what it is. Like I said earlier in this segment, if you not too many people walking around with Derrick Stingley's coming in as a true freshman. And so when you have that, that's why these coaches are so invested into this transfer portal. Yeah, because because I think what, what was lost on a lot of people, um, the college more more so than the NFL is all sub package. It's all sub package and all that stuff. So so, for instance, let's say there's a pass rusher out there. He's not good against the run and all that stuff, but he's elite pass rusher, but he's, he has off-the-field issues. You know, he this and that. But you know what? I got a stout defensive line 
we good against the run. I just don't have, and I got a stout secondary. I just can't get after the passer. They not built to get after the passer. I'm gonna take a chance, like coach. Look, they there's Fred, there's Fred Jones right here. You know we could take him in. Yeah, he and he don't have to play every snap. He he can put put him in pass rush situation, and we instantly we instantly that much better. Cause what they do is they look at the data too. Well, coach, look, we yeah. the games that we lost, we on we only hit the quarterback three times. This kid average hitting three hitting the quarterback three times by himself. So we just doubled up our production. You know, it's it's, it's, it's all in what fits the the. That's why that, the I think that, that's why they. That's why you you see like some of the best recruiters, they don't get bummed out if they don't get that kid, especially now with the transfer portal, because now that relationship is still there. So no matter where that where that he coach go, he go, can transfer. Hey, look, hey coach, I'm you know, hey, he looks. This was him coming out of high school. I know him. Boom, we could we could do something with him. But then what's going to start to have to happen is, and I know we're going to get we're going we're going to move on in a second. What's going to start to happen is that as time goes on, I can see how they're going to increase the allocation. For college coaches, I mean, for for college programs, because if you got guys leaving the program and the program gets that scholarship back, but they only got twenty five of allocation, and this growing, growing, growing demand of the transfer portal, if we don't see it stopping anytime soon, they're gonna have to eventually have a certain amount. Say, so you know what, we're gonna open up to twenty five true freshmen, and we're gonna let you sign five or six transfers, because you're gonna have some, still have some allocation left on your on the books that you can do. It's all about the money, though. It's all about the money. For for instance, Savion, like if, like if you like if you watch you 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 a sports betting guy. When Savion Smith, uh, not Savion Smith, um, when Eli Ricks, Eli Ricks, um, said, trans, said he was transferred and he transferred to Bama, that increased a win total percentage for the for the next year. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's, it's all about they're not gonna they because most most states now have legalized betting, yeah. so it's not gonna like the what you'll see happen before, and I, I think before you see like the allocation is you'll see the smaller schools get together and be like, hey, we can't compete. You know, it's supposed to be about fairness and all that stuff. We can't compete with this. Can we at least get a bump? Like, if you don't have if you don't have a transfer kid, you get like an extra two scholarships or something a year. Like you'll see some type of, you'll see you'll see something like that. You know, if it's a if it's a recurring, um, not and, and like to me like that's a that's that that's a that's a good incentive to have as well because now you could be like, do I want to take this guy or can I just develop what I got in my room? Because I I could use those extra two two scholarships or something like that. Yeah, because like, you can't use you, them in a year now. If you consistently do that, so now you like you're looking at for a recruiting class, you might have. You know, in a four year span, you got an extra eight guys that you that you necessarily wouldn't have had if you don't take a transfer. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be give and take in, in all of it. Yeah, I just think that it's it's a growing demand, it's a growing thing, it's becoming part of the business of college football now. And I know again, like like Ken Trey and say, listen, college basketball coaches to deal with it all the time. Not college football coaches got to deal with it. It's, the, gonna, it's, it's different because college coaches, college basketball, you only get fifteen players. Yeah. You're dealing with eight five. Yeah, you're dealing with a larger, larger, larger number. Um, but moving on, um, we do want to get into some some pro football. Um, obviously, we, let's get into Saints talk. Um, the Saints went on the road to New York. 
and they came up with a victory over the Jets. So then they're now six and seven. And for a lot of who that fans out there, they believe the Saints are back in the playoff conversations at six and seven. They win a game and they broke the five game losing streak. They won a game. Now the who that's a back. All the Saints back in the playoff conversations. Coaching, I'll start with you. Uh, mathematically speaking, they never was out. That's 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 the facts. That's the fact of the matter is, too. Uh, this week game is a big one. You know, you guess the Bucks. You you win this game, you got control of your, of your division. So no, so so you you in the playoffs. You in the playoffs. You, if you if you win. If you it's three games, if they win, regardless of what the, what they do with the rest of the um, schedule, they're in the playoffs, and they'll be hosted. You know, so it's um, I, I I don't think the, Sean Sean Payton is too prideful of a coach to to let this ship just sink. Um, it was funny your tweet that you put on Twitter um, talking about Alvin Kamara messing up the Saints um, draft <laughs> draft position. You know, you know, so we're standing up, man. You know, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's the fact of understand who your coach is, understand what the culture is for the Saints. We're not just gonna you know lay down and just and just give it away. Um, the quarterback situation was, you know, you had to navigate that. You had to you had to navigate that. I think. Am I am I sold on Taysom Hill? Absolutely not, but it's better than damn Trevor Simeon. Um, but if if we do what we supposed to do the rest of the half of the season, um, get the the problem. Uh, to me, uh, to be honest, is is gonna be can that offensive line stay together? That that's gonna because like yeah, you ran you ran the ball great against against the Jets. It's the damn Jets. You know, let's see. Let's see you do that against the Bucks. Let's see you do that against Carolina. Let's see you do that. You know, with the remaining teams that's on your schedule, because if that's what we're gonna do, if we're gonna if we're gonna be a running team, you Armstead got to play. Ramchak got to get back healthy. You know, that's just got to get it, back. You know, it's it's just that's just the nature of it. Because if we lose, if I, I have, a, I feel like if we lose this game coming up, we just, you know, we not making the playoffs. Like this is the game that you need to get into the playoffs because it gives you a leg up on your division. Because you don't want to go like even if we went went out if we lose this game we went out we might sneak in the back door but we'll be a lower seat and you know now now what's the options for the future? G Sports, are we back in the playoff conversations? Man, we could be in the playoff conversations, man, but the season is over, man. I respect the <laughs> the pride that we playing with. I respect, you know, how Sean Payton is trying to keep this team afloat and, and finish the season off the right way. We just too undermanned. All right, man. You, you, when you're missing your two all pro tackles, you know, you, you're missing Michael Thomas, who we've been missing all year. You're missing Deontay Harris, who was our one playmaker that was the, the the person that could that could take a slant and take it to the house and keep the defense honest and blow the top top the top off of defense, you don't have him. Um, you don't have your starting tight end. You're missing your your energy and your and your one of your leaders in, on your defense and Chauncey going to Johnson, and your quarterback is gone. It, it's just too much to overcome. Uh, I don't see Tampa laying the egg. I know it's gonna be a trap game for them this Sunday. Uh, I don't see them laying the egg. I think that. The Saints are going to be competitive and, and, and stand up to the task to try to, you know, come out with a win. I'm, I'm sure Sean Payton is going to come up with a great plan to try to, to try to come out with a win. 
Uh, but it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, I think that going on for the rest of the season, we need to start, like like I said last week, man, you know, getting more, more snaps for people like uh, Marquez Calloway, t- uh, targeting him more to try to see, you know, if if he's somebody that we want to put um, in position to be one of our main receivers for the foreseeable future. Um, uh, the, the kid from Kentucky that we drafted uh, uh, at tackle, uh, we need to start playing him more to see if, if, if he's somebody that, that could possibly take Teron Olmstead's spot. Because I've been saying this for the, since the beginning of the season. I think Teron Olmstead is playing his last days in a black and gold uniform. I think we need to get rid of that contract and move on from him. Um, uh, as, as it pertains to our defense, I think our defense is intact. But I say, like I say, missing somebody like Chauncey Garner Johnson on that defense, man, who bring up so much energy and how infectious he is to that defense, is only so much that, that we're going to be there on that defense when you when your offense can 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 barely you know score 20 points a game. Uh we played a bad team on Sunday in the Jets. Zach Wilson averaged 4.5 yards a per pass. He was 19 for 43. Uh, I mean, we just played a bad football team and we we used to be, we was able to, to come out on a win with a win. Um uh, fortunately, but I, I just don't see this team getting into the playoffs. It, 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 I think it's between like four or five teams that we that we're tied with right now four. to be able to get in the playoffs. Yeah, four teams that, that we're tied with to get be able to get in the playoffs. I just think you know with this game on Sunday and you know the rest of the the rest of the season, I don't see the Saints being a sustained um, being able to win um, to be able to win out or, or win more games than than lose. Uh, to be able to get in the playoffs, I, I just think it's, it's, it's pretty much over. Uh, and like I've been saying, man, we got to start focusing on the draft in April. My bad, G Sports. That number is actually five. Um, five teams. Five teams. Here's the thing. We're, we're out of the playoffs. And here's why. With those five teams, one of them the Washington football team that we beat. Right? So there's a tie break at the end of the season. We trumped them. But the Philadelphia Eagles is one, another one of those teams. They would trump the tiebreaker if, they, if we finished the season with the same record. In addition to that, we had the Minnesota Vikings who we're tied with, in addition to the Atlanta Falcons, who we're also lost to. But we so got to play, we gotta play them again. We got to play them again the last game of the season. So we're tied right now with about five teams, and one of those, right now, two of those teams, we lose tiebreakers too. So if we finish out the season with the same record, but we lose to Atlanta the last game of the season, we're going to lose that tiebreaker. We'll lose a tiebreaker to the Eagles if if it came down to the Saints or the Eagles being the last team to try to make that that push. And because of that five-game losing streak that we had, again, it, it causes a lot of controversy trying to get to we're, – we're being forced to win every game now from this pull four. Starting off with the Bucks, and after that, I think we got the Miami Dolphins, and then after that, I think it's Carolina, then, you know – than the Panthers, we're forced to win almost every game just to be in this conversation. Well, you, we really, you just really had to win three because if you beat the Bucks, you beat the Falcons, you beat the the um, Panthers, you win your division. Yeah, but so no, 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 no. The Bucks, are, the Bucks are gonna win the division. The Bucks you, are win the division. If you beat the Bucks, you win. You got two games up on the Bucks. You yeah, but they're gonna have a higher record than you. It doesn't matter. That we, does we, matter. No, it don't. We did this before. We did this. If the like, Bucks finish with a higher record than the Saints, then the Bucks win the division. No, they don't. That's not how it works in the NFL. You're not going to win a division with a lower. The, pa- the Patriots, the Patriots, went eleven and five, had the best record in the division, 
had the best overall record in their division, but they didn't have the best divisional record. Therefore, they was out the playoffs. If you're tied, no. if you're tied at 11 and 5 and 11 and 5, and you don't have the best divisional record, then you're going to come up short. That's but if you have a higher it. record, they're going to go with the higher seed. No, it doesn't. They, 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 they'll make the wild card. No. Make, no, you the, the, you win to win in your division. You have to have the best divisional record. It's not the best overall record. They will the Saints will have the better divisional record because they they'll go they'll be they they won two games against the Bucks, so they have the tie they have the tiebreaker and they split the rest of the division. They yeah. automatically get into the so playoffs. so Hen, what you're telling me is you're rooting for the Saints to make the playoffs? No, not not I, I, as a, as a, <laughs> as, a, as a, somebody somebody who 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 cares about our, the future of our franchise. It's best for us not to be in the playoffs right now. You know, that's what it is. Because this is, because we, 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 we talk, we just, I'm just being realistically. Can we make the playoffs? Yeah. We don't have a shot at hell to win the Super Bowl. So what's the point? What's that, that's how I look yeah, at it. What's offense. the what's the purpose of getting to the playoffs? I, I, don't, I don't think we have a shot in hell to make the playoffs. Look, I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see you know, it. I, 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 I just see don't see it. it. I want to piggyback off what you said, though. I, I would like this is to me. This is the chance where you where you go up to Cam Jordan and say, "All right, look, we know we we got we you. know we got go, you. Go ahead, go ahead and rest for the rest of the season. You know, we'll put you in like oh, we all, look. You only gonna play passing downs." Um, you know, Cam you know, Jordan might be playing his last days in the black and gold uniform too. Woo. That's tough. G Sports. Uh, I know the numbers. Uh, he gonna play another season. Um, Woo. you know, two point you go, you go, twenty two million against the cap next year. You go, you go against, Woo. you go, you go to Marcus Davenport. Look, you got injury concerns. You have, you, you know, you 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 refresh now. We're gonna hold you back. I want to see Peyton Turner. I want to see if Zach Braun can help us at. DN possibly because you know he got beat out at linebacker. Once Pete Warner came came back off of injuries, like you don't see him no more. They put Katie Ellison before you. That's bad uh, to me in, 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 in this situation. You, this is the time where you put those younger guys in and be like, all right, let's see what we got in meaningful games. Right. That's good. Let's 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 let's, let's see. Can, can you because because football is is meant is more mental than it's physical. You could get, you could go out there like the best the best offensive tackle get beat by by some of some that's less of a player than them on the defensive line simply because look this guy's more athletic than you can you implement the game plan though can you be in the right gap can you be can you go flow yeah. with the right stuff let's see let's see how you handle that workload because I'd rather have somebody who know where he's supposed to be at and I can count on them that's gonna be where they're supposed to be at than somebody who's gonna be out there just trying to make a play all the time and be because the thing about guys that try to make a play, especially on the defense side of the ball, if you make the play, great. But if you don't make the play, you just open up the, the biggest gap in the world. And now you make an error. You, you boy, hope for somebody boy, else. Or the Gulf of Mexico just open. got open, boy. You know, so, this, so this is this is what you see. This is what you call up the multiple practice squad people. I'm like, hey, can you help us? Can you do you deserve to be on this uh, 53 going forward to see? And well, to you start that off with this, the Bucks. No, 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 no. Because like, because this this game right here is too is like if you come up with a great game plan and, and you do something, now you back in the driver's seat. So it's like, but like I'm talking about what I think is gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? Without without speaking words, because we know words words are powerful. Words powerful. You know, yeah, so, it means something. So um, I would I would I would rather see what we got in the cupboard heading into the off season. Gotcha. But I, I, I just don't think that we're in the playoff conversations. Um, I do think this week we come up short against the Bucks. I think we lose. And I think that what you just said, Coach, is what we can start doing starting the Miami Dolphins. Um, but 
to me, it's just not enough firepower to beat the Bucs. Um, we got Taysom Hill starting at quarterback. Um, Alvin Kamara starting to come back. There's still no receiving core. There's still no tight end out there. Um, offensive line is still getting back to what we think it is, but there's still no Andrews Pete. It's just not enough offensive he weapons. Need, he needs to, to go, too. Um, yeah, that's another one that I think he's I think he's probably going in the offseason more than anything. Um, hmm. So hmm. we got to get to this point where offensively, this has probably been the worst offensive team that Sean Payton has had since he's been in the black and gold. And for me to expect them to go on the road and beat the Bucks, I just can't forecast that victory. Um, so to this week, I, I got them going six and eight. I got them losing. Then after that, we can start talking about all the things that we need to see from players, guys that we drafted, guys that need to be on the field seeing who they have in these last three regular season games. Um, but just don't blow up, man. I got a couple of receivers I want to take. <laughs> I, I, I want to be in the top ten. <laughs> but this is my thing. Like, if where well, there's smoke, there's fire. What if what if Russell Wilson is your guy? You don't have that you don't have that that top ten pick no more. That's another conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah, that's a conversation yeah. another day. I um, and I'll give it up for him too. Yeah. Hey, preach! Yeah, he could him Armstead and Pete can go, baby. We can him, drive, we can hey look, we can find we listen, can find some bases. Listen, whatever Seattle is considering is on the table. Now, as long as we keep Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, is all good. But everything else is on the table. He needs somebody to throw the ball to, and he needs a running back to hand the ball off to. Now, after that, everybody else is on the table. You everybody, you want including Marcus the Williams? You want Marcus Williams? Want Marcus Williams? Yeah, you, you can have him. And we keep Ram check too. You need somebody to block. But other than that, hey, look, everything on the table. Um, moving on. Urban Meyer. He gets the axe today. He's out in, he he's out as head coach in Jacksonville. What's your guys take on Urban Meyer being fired as Jacksonville head coach? And more importantly, what's y'all take on non college coaches, you know, making it making their name in college, but now being brought to the pro level? Does that idea work, or do we need to judge this on the individual by individual case? Um, I, I obviously think um, just to answer your last question, it has to be an individual by individual case. You have to, like it has to be vetted um, because Matt Rule he just he just in a bad situation. I think he you know he got paid you know, but but he's he's doing good. He's going he's he's doing the best that he can with that situ- with the situation that he was in. Um, cause for every Urban Meyer, you have a a guy who I still, to me, the jury's still out on Cliff Kingsbury. But yeah, it, you know, is 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 working. But for me, with Urban Meyer, this is the issue that I had with with the whole signing. First of all, everywhere he's been outside of Utah and in college, a scandal followed. It was some type of covering up of something going on. His first move after he was named the head coach was to hire the strict and conditioning coach from Iowa who was in a situation. And, you know, it, it, he is, it, it was, a, it was about, it was an all about me situation. The, mm-hmm. the one thing that, and this is why you have to vet the mess out of, out of college coaches to come into the NFL is you have to understand that these players Go act on strictly on a respect basis. You can't. It's certain days that you because you don't have the power over them no more. Right. You don't have the power over them for no nine nine times out of ten. These guys are making more money than you. You don't have you don't have total control. Right. You know this ain't you know you you so 
you can't threaten me with playing time because the owner's gonna look at you. Hey, I'm paying that boy gets a, a one point nine million dollar game. You know why is he not playing? You know you're gonna lose that battle. Um, so, but his whole mentality, you know, from kicking a kicker, at yeah, pra- you know, at, at, at practice to you could tell during preseason that it just wasn't, it wasn't gonna go well. You know, he his 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 it whole like, it was like a climate clash. You know he. He never took ownership of nothing. The only thing he took ownership of was, was stuff that he got caught doing. As far as the football team and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the football team takes on the identity of the head coach. And all he kept doing was making different types of excuses left and right. To me, um, I'm going to piggyback what, like, Lewis Riddick has said. Uh, to me, he, he never – he didn't earn his chance. He didn't – he didn't – I could now, I could see if this was him – this was this was the Urban Meyer. Instead of going to Ohio State, he went to the NFL. Okay, okay, because look at the, the NFL talent that was there and all that stuff. He's he's won twice. Okay, I can see you giving that a shot. But this guy's been sitting down for for three years before you before you went and got him. Um, he you had guys like Eric Bellamy, um, Byron Leftwich, who was just coming off of a Super Bowl. Um, I'm just trying to think of great offensive minds out there that. Have that that have NFL pedigree like that's been doing it uh, for a while, and you just give him. You just went for a big name high. Yeah, I just don't think that was the right move. And now you're paying for it. And the thing about it is, Urban White still comes out a winner because he he worked half a year and he still got he's still getting a twenty five dollar check, twenty five million dollar check to go home. Now I'm gonna read this comment before I let you go. G Sports. Um, Lashawn Murphy says. Um, same sport, different game. And he also says, college coaches should always be coordinators rather than head coaches. Ooh. I don't agree with I don't that. I don't about the coordinator because the game is too different. Right. I wouldn't agree with that. But here's my take on, on college coaches um, getting hired as head coaches. Uh, Clint Kittenberry's one. Obviously, he had the first overall pick. He picked Kyler Murray, somebody who's going to fit his system, somebody who he's been vetting the coach since he was in an Allen High School, right? Um, then you get somebody. I said shouldn't have went number one in the draft, but keep going. Listen, I said it. Um, yeah, I know you said it. So I know you said it. So then you have, then you have uh, Pete Carroll who takes who leaves USC and gets the job in Seattle. And it took a few seasons, but once he got the culture right, he you know went to two Super Bowls over there in Seattle. Then you had Jim Harbaugh who left Stanford and got in there at the 49ers organization. And in four seasons there, they went to a Super Bowl appearance after drafting their Colin Kaepernick, right? But prior to that... Chip, Chip Kelly? Chip, but but those are the failures. No, Chip Kelly... Chip Kelly went to the Eagles, failed. went to the playoffs in the first year, and they lost, and they lost to the Saints at home. They won yeah. a division. They won, yeah. a div- they won a division the first year, but after that, he got fired the following year. I'm just saying... He, but, he, he, made, he made the playoffs his first year. He made the playoffs his first year, but after that, he lost the locker room. But, the, but he got fired. He then lost he, the locker room. But then that, he went to the 49ers the and got team, fired. The team that he built won the Super Bowl. That yeah. was that, that was Doug Peterson didn't build, didn't, didn't build that team. That was a team that Chip Kelly built. But Chip Kelly lost that locker room. Yeah, he lost the locker room. But and but, but so you have to consider the fact that if he's only there for a couple of seasons, yeah, we can, we can make the case that Andy Reid built that team. Nah. You can make that. How can you build a team in two seasons? Because Chip Kelly went in there and cleaned house. 
He cleaned house with the staff. He ain't cleaning house with all the players. He, he can't clean, just do that. He cleaned house with most of the players. He cleaned house with most of the players. Again, yeah. I, the, the the Philadelphia E team, a team that won. You you got to. He ain't draft Carson Wentz. He ain't draft Carson Wentz. He, he drafted Derek Barnett. He he ain't had he ain't draft um um on what's his face either Nick Foles. Nobody drafted that motherfucker. The Eagles did <laughs> when 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 Andy Reid was there. He ain't win. Andy Reid didn't win with him. Nick, Doug Peterson did. So it was, again, it was there, there's, exam, there's examples of the Chip Kellys. Then you had Pop Petrino, who left Louisville, took the Atlanta job, was there for half a season and left Atlanta. Steve Spurrier coming out of Florida, went to the you know, at the time the Redskins, wasn't there that long. Um, he was there five years, dude. He was there for, for, for he was there five years. Okay, then he got then they let him. Then he took the job. Then he went to um, oh, back, South, South Carolina. Carolina. Nick wasn't at Miami that long. Not, a, not a, only a year. Only a year. So, and Matt Rule, room around town is is on the hot seat. You know, Lou Holtz um, went in there and, and yeah. got to the Jets and got fired. And got fired. So, there's been more evidence of college coaches not having a long tenure when they get to the pro game than there is guys who got here and actually had an impact. So, and obviously now Urban Meyer is the new example. Um. Again, I think college coaches, when they finally get to this pro environment, it's tough for them because the environment is different. And plus, the game is won differently. In college, you can win on a bunch of big plays. At the pro level, first downs matter, third down conversions matter. There's a lot of nuances of the game of football that do not matter as much when you win at the college level. So I think they get into the culture class, and then they get into – at the pro level, that two-minute drill thing really matters. You don't really have that in college football. You know what I mean? That two-minute drill does not exist. You know, in the fourth quarter, the clock stops typically after the, the last minute or so. So the nuances of how college football is played in one and how the game is played at the pro level in one, I think coaches come in and make that clash. Some coaches come in and very few of them who coach the game at a very high level who enter the details of the game can make a difference. But the ones who win based upon talent and big plays, the ones who win based upon recruiting, come in to the pro game and, and they, they they get a culture shock. Urban Meyer is a big so time recruiter. Think, so you don't think Urban Meyer is a good coach? I think he's a great college coach because he's great at recruiting. But the guys who are great at recruiting at the college level coming to the pro game, they, 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 they run into a problem because this is not about recruiting here. It's not about recruiting. Pete Carroll is a very good recruiter, but Pete, Pete, Pete Carroll also came from the pro game already. He had coached the Cleveland Browns. He got, he got it. What's his face? Um, Jim Harbaugh. Did he recruit at Stanford? Yeah, but you can't really recruit diamonds in the rough at Stanford. It was about the details of the game. That's why he had so much success at, at the 49ers. I don't think this has nothing to do with anything on the field with him as a coach. Urban Meyer is a damn good coach. What it is, the way you relate to players in, high, in college – and the way you relate to players in the NFL is totally different. In the NFL, egos are bigger. Their paychecks are larger. You got to be able to have a sense of understanding on how to interact with grown men. This is grown men. In college, you just have to fall in line. In college, Urban Meyer didn't have to answer to anybody, not even to the athletic director for that matter. So high school players that's coming in, that's already in the program, you have to have to do one thing. If you want to have opportunity to, to, 
to be an impact player on a, on a power five team and have opportunity to get drafted, you have to fall in line. So his way of going about things, how you talk to a player, how you interact with a player, how you relate to him, uh, your sense of uh, genuineness, you have to do that at an all-time high on the NFL level. And if you can't do that, I don't give a damn how good of a coach you are. You're not going to succeed. Why do you think Nick Saban failed when he was at uh, the Miami Dolphins? Because Nick Saban, the way he interacts with his players and the way he dictates, it doesn't work with grown men. It works at the, at the college level because those kids have to fall in line. And that's the difference. This has nothing to do with how good of a, a coach Urban Meyer is. It's how he interacts and how he goes about ha- mishandling grown men. Again, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I do think also the details of the game at this level and how the game is won. I think college coaches are, when they get to this level, Fred, it's not Fred, one, it's Fred, not one Fred, of the same Fred, 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 Fred. You think Urban Meyer wasn't successful in Jacksonville because he wasn't detail-oriented? Think, think about you, what you're saying right now. They didn't this win is games. A, a, huh? How many games they won in Jacksonville? It's a reason why how they much, got how, one pick, how, though, too. You know what I'm saying? Like Listen, this, it, it, like the, the the roster turnover wasn't that big. You, you, they don't have a. They don't have no. They, first of all, that's this one of the worst franchises in the NFL from a talent standpoint. That's why when Trevor Lawrence got drafted there, I said, man, he going to a bad situation. That's why I didn't want Justin Fields to get drafted there. So that's number one. Number two, like I said, you got to be able to know how to interact with a with a with a player that's making five million dollars a year, friend. It's just you can't the way you talk to him and the way you talk to a kid that's a sophomore in college is two totally different ways. In college, you're born, you being more of a mentor, kind of an extension of your of a father figure from home in college. Yeah. And in the NFL, these these men got Families, wise kids. kids. You can't talk to them any kind of way. You can't handle them any kind of way. And that's the problem and why he's had the issues he had this year in Jacksonville. This has nothing to do with him being detail-oriented. This has nothing to do with his philosophy. This has nothing to do with him as a coach. And I think that's what you're getting wrong at. Well, the details is in the pudding. If you start looking at the penalties, you start looking at the team as a whole, all that translates. Dang, another dude. That's because he home. lost the locker room, Fred. That's yeah. because they're not playing hard for, me, yeah. hard for him anymore. That's, that's, this... this that right. has nothing to do with his coaching ability. Urban Meyer is one of the better coaches that you're going to find to, to, at the college to, level. To, to, but, but to me, like, so, like, this, this is, like, one of the prop, uh, the, the great um, misconceptions. Pete Carmichael is the offensive coordinator for the Saints. Correct. Now he just he just doesn't call the plays. Correct. It's a, it's a different. It's a difference. So like you have you you have people set up to do certain things. Eric Eric Enemy is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. He calls plays at times, but he he designs stuff. And Andy Reid calls the plays at times, but he right. designs stuff. So when you go when you step into to the head, especially on the on, the, on, on, the, on, on the, the NFL yeah. standpoint, like you you have like your your coordinators pretty much run their side of the ball. Right. They run their side of the ball. So that that has nothing to do with you X's and O's. Your job as the head coach nine times ten is just to manage the game. game. Make it show the the flow of going. Now what G said is very true. It's, you can manage the game as best as you can, but if, if these kids ain't if, if these men ain't buying what you what you selling, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want to do because I'm out here for my stats. It, it ain't even stats. Like I'm, it, it's stats, but oh, it's, it's stats. like, but it, it's it's more than like I'm showing. Look, I'm. I, it's a chance. Like I'm a free agent coming up. Yes. One of the teams I want to go to. Let's just say is the Dolphins. I see this style type of football they're doing. They they play. I'm not showing like. Forget the stats. I want like if they're a hard nosed football team, like look, we we ask our receivers to block, we ask this and this and that. You gonna you gonna try to do what you're supposed to do this way, just so you can show on film like, hey, coach, I'm willing to do whatever to get to you right now. You know, it's it's it's, it's a business. It's, exactly, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a business, a business of it. So, it's like like you say, it's more of off the field than on the field and I and that but that's the biggest hurdle from college to NFL. That's the that's a huge hurdle from a yeah, where, it, where it, you where you can shape you like as a as a as a high school co- as a um as a college coach, G has the power to shape this team however he see fit. Now that's why I'm just reading the that, comment here. LaShawn Morphe said, which is why I should that's why they should coordinate rather than the head coach. No, but that, 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 that has nothing to do has, with it. Listen, Look, when you walk, the, when Urban Meyer the, walks um, into the 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 fact of you go from full autonomy of your program to you have a general manager that you that that you count on to shape your team, right? If me, if I'm the head coach and G's the general manager, if our philosophy don't matter, don't match, then I you know at the end of the day, I got to to try to produce something with, with G Gaten. That's the fact of the matter. In college, it's, it's reverse. Right. If I say, look, gee, I need this kid right here, he got to be on the, on the team. But, Coach, this guy's a five-star man. Forget all that. This kid is who I want. He got to abide by that. And the NFL is, is reverse opposite. And then I can't go in there and say, hey, look, you run, you 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 they're play not, the you play quarterback to. like this. I need you to I need you to play quarterback like this, or you not gonna you not gonna play. She that don't fly in the NFL. When you are in high school, and Urban Meyer walks in your house to recruit you, or he walks into your school, Urban Meyer is glorified. That's the difference. When he walks into an NFL locker room, these players don't give a damn who Urban Meyer is. That doesn't hold weight in the NFL. So you got to go about getting these guys to buy in a whole different way. That's the difference, Fred. And so Harbaugh did a great job when he got to the 49ers of understanding how to relate to these NFL players because why? He was in the NFL locker room. He was a quarterback at the Indianapolis coach right. and made deep runs in the playoffs. It was just different. Some people, some coaches have that ability to be able to uh, relate to young to the younger generation and relate to grown men. And that's what Urban Meyer struggled with. So what you're saying is that, so if we're looking at the statistics of it, most of these college coaches struggle with that curve. So the question is, do, do, do as you, if you're a general manager, do you look at the college ranks if you fired your head coach as your next head coach? It dep- to me, it depends. Like, like at me, some point in time, it can't always be an individual on individual case. I think it's like, because, like, so for instance. Plainsbury doing a damn good job. To Greg Greg Schiano yeah. was, was, a, was, a, was a hell of a coach at college. Yeah, at Rutgers. And when he got to the league, he, you know, at, right off the bat, you know, the play, like, they bought into what he was selling. Right. Because he he's a player coach. Like they're like, man, cause like he'll get in there, he'll get in there, try to dance with you, he'll get in there, man. What's what's right. going on personally? Like the the pro the flip side of it was 
man, he ain't had the roster to, to, to fight with what everything was. That's why he still, to this day, is in the league. <laughs> you know, he's not a head coach no more, but he's earned the right to, like, all right, I'm here now. Like I don't have to. I don't have to worry about it. When you, most of the most of your successful coaches are player coaches. Bill Belichick. Like you just you just see you just see like the 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 fraud or all that. That's stuff. what the media. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I think it's a different guy his, behind a lot. All his players tell you behind behind see man that's one of the funniest guys out there. Ever. Yeah, I, I think he's you know, all, it's, just, it's like it's all in. I said, that's can, the media. Can you can you relate? And it, that that's it, it ain't. I don't think. I don't care if you come from high school like a Doug Peterson did, or if you come from from the greatest coaching tree ever in college football ever created, and if you can't relate to what's in that locker room, no matter no matter on what level, you if you can't relate to what's in the locker room, you go, you're gonna fail. I think Urban Meyer's demise also was he had a lot of distractions since his time and tenure. He had the situation with the kicker. Then he had that situation, I think, week three, week four, where he had that off the field incident. We had that, you know, picture with this girl and all that stuff with the distraction for the team. Then you had the case now with, with James Robbins. With James Robbins, and you had the case with Marvin Jones now. So when you have all these incidents and all these incidents start to become public, it's just a lot of distractions as a head coach to go coach a team on the sidelines. Because at this level here, the media is going to make any and everything a deal. Any level of distraction makes news at the pro level. At the college level, not so much, right? You know, unless it's like a, unless it's like, unless it's like some brawl fight or something like that, right? But at the pro level, any level of distraction makes the news. And at the pro level, if you're trying to make something of your team and your organization, you can't really have it. And Urban Meyer has been in the news repetitiously from the time he got hired in Jacksonville to now. <laughs> and I think that had a lot to do with him being out because of the things that Urban Meyer likes to do. Those things can't, you can't, the, the head coach can't afford to be the distraction. Man, this is the same man that had a, a coach on his staff uh, having domestic violence, violence. Yeah. And, and he knew about it. And didn't do anything about it. What was the excuse he used? He said, didn't he say like uh, him and his wife was marriage counseling them? Yeah, yeah. You know, like this. I mean, his integrity has been in question. So I, I don't feel bad for Mr. Kind, the owner for the for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's had issues. I mean, even going back to Florida, all the stuff that was going on in that program, yeah, that program. where Aaron Hernandez, Law rest his soul, and, and, and a number of other players that he just didn't. He 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 keep he. He, he he writes a tight a loose ship wherever he's at. He writes a, a loose ship, and when you like that as a coach, man, this the you. kind of stuff happen. Will bite you. I understand. Urban Meyer is officially out as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I'm quite sure there's going to be a few more coaches getting fired at the NFL level prior to, you know, black what they call it Black Monday, Black Tuesday, Black, black Monday, Black Monday. They're going to have a few more guys that's going to get released. You know, to me, I think the Bears, Matt Nagy is out, but that's remains to be seen. Um, I know you disagree, G Sports. I know you disagree. I know you disagree, but we're gonna see. We're gonna see. But moving on, we got some more to get into. I think Coach Hayden has been out for a lot of this, but we've been doing some NFL picks. I know you've been off the rip the scale. G Sport covers some ground. He's covered some ground 
on you on that boy Fred this past week. I was bad. I was bad.com. <laughs> I was bad.com. I was bad.com. I had some bad picks this week, y'all. But I gotta recover. I gotta recover this week. I can't afford to lose. I lost to my fantasy football team. I'm call me Nostradamus, man. <laughs> I lost to my fantasy football team, G Sports. Listen, I'm all locked in on the picks now. Yeah, sure you are. Yeah, it sure has all my attention to coach him. We gotta add you, you gotta add you in, baby. That's too late. Well, tonight, tonight, the Chiefs play your charges. How about that? Yeah. The Chiefs play your charges, and y'all said Charlie after three games, four games into the season, that the Chiefs were done. And what did I continue to tell you guys? Relax. They gonna figure it out. Now they didn't win like seven in a row. They nine and four. Lead the division, and guess what? They're gonna go on the road tonight and beat your charges. Not happening. Charges come up big, baby. Told you to win the right. division. Right. And then Told you woke you up. The and then you woke up. Y'all gonna start listening to me. Y'all Charges gonna start listening to me. I Charges told you about Cam are Newton. Tonight. I told you about Cam Newton. I told you about Cam Newton. You got all excited because the man had eight yards passing and a, t- a running touchdown. You got all excited. Cam Newton about the bigger make the bigger impact than Odell Beckham. If if the last time I checked. The last three weeks, Odell Beckham has made a really good impact. He scored a touchdown in the last three games, and he looks like he's going into the playoffs, which Cam Newton is not, which I told you he would not, and he got benched for the second time since he's been with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, Kyler Murray told y'all for the season started. This boy was going to be an MVP candidate. Now he got hurt, so that kind of messed up his consideration. But if he don't get hurt, he probably in the top if, two, if top three. was, was a fifth. fifth. Listen, before he got hurt, before he got hurt, before he got hurt, I said he was going to be an MVP candidate. So that happened. I told you the people were going to win the division, which that's about to happen, too. They lost to the Rams. They lost to the Rams. Yeah, they lost. They lost. They're going to win the division, though. They're still in in prime position to win the division. My point is this. I need to change my media company from gsports.com to nostradamusjr.com because I'm telling you, baby, I'm always on point. Y'all gonna start listening to me. Chiefs, Chargers. I got the Chargers. You got the Chiefs. We had a diss mm-hmm. home. Now, moving forward. Saints, Bucks. Bucks. Bucks <laughs> hit two. We're gonna pick the Bucks. Patriots, Colts. Colts. I'm going with Mac Jones, baby. I'm going with the Patriots. Go with him. Go with him. He can't handle success. Go ahead. We're gonna see. Boy through, boy through eight passes last week. Go ahead. Don't matter. One. Hallelujah. Now, right. Titans, Steelers. I know you're going to pick the Steelers. Steelers. See, you still riding this train. See, this is why I'm a catcher. Steelers, up. man. Timely. Look, this, this time of the up. year, they, they, they figure a way how to get it done to get in that playoff. This I'm going why, with Mike Tomlin, man. This is why I'm going to catch back up. I'm picking the Titans. You, I Go told ahead. you the Steelers. You're not going to catch up. They, they, they're inconsistent. Everybody yeah. keep bailing them out to it. They only got bailed out last Thursday night against Minnesota. People were down 28, 26, nothing. And all of a sudden, right. they start coming back and people start bailing them out. Ain't nobody going to be bailing yeah. them out that much longer. Yeah. They ain't, they ain't consistent just like your picks. Moving on. Still, right, Titans, like I said. Now, here's the last one here. Looks like we're going to have. And no, we got two more Packers, Ravens. Packers. Going with the Packers, too. I don't think Lamar playing. And the last and not least, Bengals, Broncos.
I'm gonna go with the the Bengals. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I'm picking who they. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I'm going with who they. I'm going with the Bengals. I'm going no, with the Bengals. What, what what about the what about the Browns and the Raiders? What about the Browns and the Raiders? Browns and the Raiders. <sighs> Crap. I'm, I'm going with the Raiders. You gotta pick the, the Raiders. Raiders. You know why I'm gonna pick the Raiders because they they got 14 people on COVID in the Browns organization. You got Jarvis Landry. You got Baker Mayfield, the head coach. In, in the I was going to pick the Raiders anyway. I was never picking the Raiders if 14 guys went out. I would have picked Man, the get your record up. You only good as your record. Ooh, he's so greasy. Look at him. He's, he's so greasy. He didn't have one great week. I'll tell you, man, look, every time we have a little discussion about something, I get it right. I'm just saying. When y'all going to get it right? I'm just saying. <laughs> What, what what y'all? I ain't been here. What the hell is y'all got? <laughs> oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do, do we need to play? Do we need to play back the tape about the charges? I, I called the charges. I called. Yeah, it. You're I wrong ain't, about I ain't, it. I ain't, you're wrong. I, you're wrong. I, I ain't running from it. You're wrong. You're charges. Hey, hey about- hold on, hold on, hold on. Now I will give Fred credit on something that happened since I've been gone. What happened? Fred said that the Michigan Wolverines will make the college football playoffs. So, some some diamonds that's on point over there said. We ain't got shot. In we ain't got shot in hell. <laughs> we ain't got shot in hell. I would. I will say that. We I'm glad that I was wrong. Hey, hey, so, 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 the, so the record should be 16-16, right? I'm just. I'm just. I'm no just, hell. Hell no. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just out here, man. This is out here. Yeah, you need to be out here because you because you've been wrong too. You say the Cardinals they have a shot in hell to win the division. Cleese Bear is is a joke of a head coach. Come on, man. Come on, man. I told you how this was gonna go down. He he ain't do nothing yet. He ain't do, he nothing, ain't do nothing. We count wow. the regular season. We count the regular wow. season. That we, we doing now. Listen, that we doing now. I never said we were going to win the Super Bowl. That we doing now. I never said we were going to win the Super Bowl. I said they were going to win the division. She. Hey, listen. Did I not say that? You they, said that. They ain't talk. They like ain't talk of war. Hey, I told right you. Now. I told you Jamal Chase was winning Rookie of the Year. I don't remember that. You got to play it back. It's on. It's on. It's on. It's on. It's on. Pull it up. Pull it up. All I know is this: them people ninth in offense. Yeah. And fifth in defense. And and DeAndre Hopkins is done for the season. No, he ain't coming yes, back for the playoffs. This well, I, I said done for the season. I ain't say done for the they, playoffs. They can get by without him. They can get by without him. They can get by without him. Once the playoffs come, gonna sign, he gonna be they back. They're going to sign Larry Fitzgerald back? He's going to be back for the playoffs. He's going to be good. We're going to see. And look, my picks for the state championship games I think I was three, th- three of them I didn't get right. All, all the rest of them I got it right too, baby. Who, who you pick for two eight? Manny. Manny. Mm. Manny. Mm. Coach, I did. I mm. had your back, I picked, baby. I picked Manny. Mm. Coach, I, I had your back. Mm. I had your back. Mm. I got four eight wrong. I got two eight wrong. Four eight two eight. That was it. Four eight two eight. Mm. Oh, I'm lying. I'm lying. And you and your parents, I got down wrong yeah. too. So that's the three I got wrong. Everybody, all the other ones, all the select divisions I got right. Five A I got right. Yeah, one A I got, I got right. right. I got everything on the right. So, I was, I think so how many championship games it was? Nine. Well, in the, Nine. In, the, in, the, in the prep in the prep city class, it was just it was just six. Six. No, no, no. I'm talking about total with the select. Two. It was nine. Oh, nine. Nine. So it's nine. So I was six out of nine, baby. That's pretty good. Well, six what, out of nine. What made you pick Manny? First of all, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, there's no disrespect. I didn't think y'all was going to make it that far. Had I known y'all was going to make it that far, I probably would have picked y'all. You see, coach him. 
had your back. Man. I just thought I just thought Manny for two A, they were just so damn big. Now I had I never saw him in, uh, in person, but I saw film on him. It was so damn big. I'm like, bro, in two A football, how people going? They gonna block everybody. You know what I'm saying? So I and then you know, uh, I like the the kid tagging Curtis, even though you know, and there's no disrespect to him, even though I, I feel like y'all did a good job of putting him in some compromising situations and kind of expose his deficiencies in that state championship. Um, I like I like the, the big time corner they got. Uh number two, Tylen uh Singleton. Uh Singleton. Um that's your little cousin, baby. I don't know if it's your little cousin or what. Hey, hey. distant relative, baby. Hey. Guy, he got nice size. He got yeah. nice size. But hey, hey, yeah, you know, <laughs> they uh the running back, uh number five, forget his name. I know his last name, Williams. London. You know, I just thought, yeah, I just thought that with the, the size in the trenches and, and those three critical pieces um at the skill position. I just thought that was going to be too much for anybody in two weeks. So that's why I picked them. I, I, I will say this. I will say this. Um, yeah, bring bring the high school corner in, Coach. In. I, I, I will say this. Uh, these state championships. The the defense uh, for for us that's led by Coach yes. um, Coach Gordon. Coach Gordon. Yes. Um, D D line. Uh, that's um, me and Coach Finn. Um, and our defensive backs that was led by um, Coach Jackson. Um, we took the challenge. Like when we seen the when we seen the bracket that we was in, because because people forget that. Look, we 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 are undefeated on the on the team on the field. The, nobody nobody beat us on the field this year. Nobody beat us on the on the field this year. The LSSA took took two games away f- from us. Um, but when we looked at the at the bracket, and I don't it's a nice I, picture. I don't I don't know anybody. In any in any state championship run, that had to face what we had to face. When I'm talking about the, we beat Del High Charter. Then you play Kinder, who averages 275 rushing yards a game with 47 points a game. They they only score 20. Then you go, then we go and we play a, a general trash team. Yeah, that averages 55 points a game. Um. Close to 200 yards rushing and close to 300 yards passing the game, they only score two points. You play a Jonesboro Hodge team that average 50 something points a game. What's that receiver for Jonesboro Hodge? Devontae Mosey. Devontae Mosey. Oh, man. Um, and outside of him, like you take him away. No, you take no, him away. No, you take him away. They don't score. They don't score at all. They don't score at all. But he's I, special. I, he's I, a good kid. You got you to tip, tip your hands off to him. Um, then you then, then you play Manny, um, who averages three hundred and fifty yards rushing a game, fifty five points a, a game. Um, they 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 running back number five under Williams was the state's leading, regardless of classification, leading kid in carries with like four hundred something carries, two thousand five hundred something yards, forty six touchdowns, and he doesn't score to the first. To, he doesn't score to the fourth quarter, and he doesn't get over a hundred. Yards into the last drive of the fourth quarter, um, our D line understood what was at task throughout the whole playoff run, and we just, we, you know, our time was to keep giving the ball back to the offense because because all, all people did against us was play zero coverage. But it's tough to it's tough for offense gets cooking when they bring in, when the defense is bringing more people than than you could block. I don't care what type of I don't care who you got at receiver, who you got at running back. When they bring in more people than you could block, it's gonna it's gonna be a battle. But 
the, I will say this about this team because it's like this class is the first class to ever have two state championships in it um, in, in our history. But I will say this, like they didn't panic in no game. Uh, Fred was at the uh, Jonesboro Hodge game. We mm-hmm. went down 13 nothing. Um, yeah. real fast, fast, real fast, <laughs> and it was it was no panic on the sideline. We started running the ball, and it was over with. You know, so it was it was, um, it was it, it was very 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 satisfying because especially since we lost to Manny last year, and when we when we got to them, I was just telling the kids, especially the kids that played against them, one, you know, we we didn't. We don't have our linebackers that we had that year. It was a couple of guys out on the D-line that was just sub-playing. Now they started the whole year. But I told them, like, that team last year was 10 times better than this man team. By far, Terrence Williams, um, uh, the quarterback, um, who I want to say is at uh, UL, um, who was a threat to run and pass the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we lost to them with with – Three key injuries, you know, they didn't play at they hadn't played football. Manny had last year didn't play football in a month. So kids that was hurt for them was able to get back healthy, yeah, healthy. before they before they played us. And the the whole first half we lined up wrong to them. So all we did this 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 week at practice when we played them was line up correct. Make sure we line up correct and they can't they can't out physicals and make the open field tackle. That's all we preach. Line up right and make the open field tackle. And the results, were, it, it was like a college football. It was like an NFL-type game. Going halftime, 3 nothing. Um, I think the biggest turning point of the game for us, um, they got the ball in the first quarter with, like, nine minutes left. And that was their first possession of the game. We didn't get the ball back on offense to, like, 8.57 in the second quarter, and they didn't score, they didn't score a point. You know, I think that that was that was real that was real huge for us. But all in all, man, the, the kids played played phenomenal, and then it still hats off to to that Manny Tigers team. They they will be back next year. You know, they 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 would they junior heavy, so they 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 should be back next year. And you know, I feel sorry for the teams that got to play them. I, I would say this, man. Um, <clears throat> Warren Eastern, we 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 all know that their Achilles heel has been in the car. And getting to the state championship has, you know, every time they had to face call, they came up short. This is one of the first times where, you know, in a while that they got here and Edna Call was not in their ring. And they still came up short. Granted, this is by one point. But at some point in time, for Warren Easton to get the recognition that as a program that everybody thinks that they deserves, they got to win that game. They gotta find a way, and hats off to Westgate. <laughs> um, no, what, dis- you know, which was a hell of a pick by G. Um, in the beginning of the season, talk about like how Danny they was Lewis. gonna be a how they was gonna be a dark horse, I mean, dark horse, and they picking Danny Lewis early, early on in the season. Um, but you had an opportunity to 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 win the game, and I get it with the extra points, and I get it that you missed you missed one early in the game. I get that part, but at some point in time, you gotta find a way to win that game. You just do. And Warren Easton needs to, you know, at some point in time, they want to be recognized. They are one of the best programs in the state. But they're also getting the same stigma of not being able to win a big one. 
And that's just Buffalo what, Bills. Yeah, they they, they they becoming the Buffalo Bills, baby. They becoming Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas, baby, and Andre Reed and Don Beebe. And them. That's the, that's the stigma that they're getting, and they got a lot of great coaches over there. And then a lot of those coaches want to have that championship ring, but they got to find a way to get it done, man. But but Zachary, I mean, <laughs> I know we talk about Edna Cardinal. We talk about a lot of programs, you know, on this, on this show. But we got to start giving credit to Zachary, man. Zachary is one of those programs where, you know, they're going to be around for some time, <clears throat> you know. And get, get, give hats off to him for beating Ponchatoula in, in a great game in that state championship, man, you know. And then down in 3A, who, who am I right with? Did Sterlington win it? Yeah. Sterlington yeah. won it. They beat uh, Union Parish. Union I mean, man, that, that that was the worst clock management I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Yeah, not yeah. trying to fool. <laughs> See, what you doing, Union Parish? <laughs> under the bus for Union Parish, but I just don't understand what he was thinking about. You had the ball on your own 40-yard line with two timeouts under a minute. What are you and doing? And you just let that clock did, run, did, and you did, wait did you till it got response, ten G? seconds to call a timeout. G, did, did you did you hear his Do response it. at the uh, at the media? No, he, I didn't. He said he said that they are running football team, and two two minute situations is not something that they do. That was his response. So to me, like, how do you even, tell, even how if do you that's tell true, your kids? You don't tell, tell the, the kids. You in the don't media. say that publicly. Pub, about yeah. say, that's not about to happen. You know what I'm saying? With, with Trey Holly, who gave you everything he had sitting right next to you, and that's what you, like, that's a tough pill to swallow. Like, to hear my coach say, hey, a situation that every team has to prep, prep for. I don't care if you run the ball, if you pass the no. ball. If you just punt, the, if you just play special team, you understand the importance of a two-minute situation. I'm not going to say that publicly. It's just not about to happen. That That's not an answer I'm going to come out there and say. I may say, listen, you know, as a coach, I, I, I made, you know, that that one's on me. And, you know, we're we going to move forward. We're going to learn from this. But I ain't about to come out there and say, you know, as a team, we're not a really two-minute drill team. And, boy, boy, what? Now, I was I, I want to ask this question, G, for, to you before we before we uh, get ready to go. Because you, cause you somebody who, that this is what you do. Would you say this prep college football as a whole, I mean, not college football, high school uh, football championship last week, the whole weekend, would you say this is the most competitive one you've seen in recent years? Because outside outside of the the 1A game, Homer versus um Logan Sport, Logan Sport. and um the Division Two championship game, um Southern Lab versus uh Washita, every game was a close for us, especially like when you go by the numbers. I think so. Uh, that I can remember in recent memory, uh, I was thoroughly uh, impressed with, you know, just watching when Union Parish and, and Sterlington played. You know, uh, I was impressed with how that game came out to the wire. I mean, even though I, y'all ran away with it at the end, you know, y'all and man, it was kind of it was like a slug face going back and forth. It was what three nothing at halftime. Yeah, uh, Westgate and and uh, Warren Easton. And Warren Easton. You know, that game came out to the last play, literally. And then Zachary and, and Pontatula. I mean, Pontatula was in the red zone like three or four times and could have tied the game up and just couldn't couldn't punch it in. Couldn't punch it in. So, uh, you know, U High and Edie White, that game was 14-7. Uh, St. Charles Callaghan LCA, that game came out of why. You know, just like Coach uh, Mr. Uh, Trahan said, I mean, two missed field goals and I think a botched punt. So, 
this was some real competitive state championship games. Uh, and it had a lot of talent on the field for these state championship games. I mean, every year Louisiana just continues to put out some some tremendous talent. I mean, Agreed. that was my first time being able to see Trey Holler in person. You know, all, all I've been able to watch is film on him um, on Huddle, and, and I knew he was a really, really good player. But seeing him play in person and seeing how competitive he is and seeing how big his legs are in person, that was something to behold. And for him to lead that team in rushing, lead him in receiving, and lead him in tackles, that lets you know what kind of player he is. And he almost got it done being able to wheel that team to a championship. Uh, I think when the rankings come out for that 2023 class, Trey Holly has to be in that top three. You know, I think it's, you know, Arch Manning, uh, Derrick Williams, however you want to flip-flop it. Uh, I, I, I personally think Derrick Williams is the, is the number one player in 2023. Um, and about then the, you, you know, the state? Got, yeah, uh, in the state. Yeah, in the state. And, you know, uh, then you got Arch Manning, Sheldon Sampson. But I think Trey Holly is right up there with those with those kids. When you talk about the top kids, after seeing him in person, you know, I told a number of college coaches, I stamped him. I stamped him. Don't tell me about how short he is. Don't tell me about any of that. The kid has vision, speed. He has character. Um, and he's just an ultimate competitor. He has a mentality about him. So, so just seeing all that um, in itself, you know, you know, and for you guys, uh, your linebacker that, that got the MVP of the game, and I didn't know who that kid was before, before I watched y'all play. I mean, the, what did he lay y'all with, like 13 tackles or something like that? 17. 17 tackles. I think yeah, he had like four TFLs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's his name? Ashton Wilson. He, Ashton Wilson. He, he, started, he, he actually started off as defensive end for us. Um, then um, he's actually the best friend of Terrence Allen, the kid that passed away uh, with the heart de- defect. Right, and, um, right. Last year was his first year playing middle linebacker. And, yeah, and, and, and he put on a suit. I mean, Taggart Curtis didn't want any part of him by the time y'all got to the fourth quarter. I mean, he kept laying that head, kept laying that head, and um, he him getting that MVP of the game, it was well-deserved. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a heck of a player, bro. That that is for sure. I, w- I will say this, G. Like I've 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 been surprisingly impressed with just kids all over the state this year. This year, yeah. I know the transfer portal has has been hurting, but like that's why I've been like every kid that that we played against, I've been giving them um, that I know that can play on the next level. I've been giving them your information stuff and, and and put it on Twitter like immediately after the game, like a Wyatt Williams, you know, the quarterback for uh, General Trash. Hey. The game didn't work like like go out for him like they wanted, but I'd be lying to you if I tell you that he wasn't a player. Yeah, he wasn't a player. Dante <laughs> Mosey, the wide receiver from Jonesboro High, yeah, he a player. I, I wouldn't be. I would be. He's I'd be player. lying to you if I tell you he wasn't a player. We put like we put every type of situation we could, and he still was winning one on ones. Then we was like, you know what? We just about to get after the quarterback. Forget him. Forget worried about him scrambling. We about to get after the quarterback, and that changed the whole game. For us, but you know, it, it's like from on all levels, on all levels. Oh man, um, ooh, the, the the kid from uh, Danny Lewis, Danny Lewis West might have had the biggest impact on a game that I've seen of one single player. The willingness to to go to just put, like to, not to just help on defense, but to get in the D line. That like like that's is something that you just. You just don't, and they have. couldn't block him. And, 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 that, <laughs> and, and that that was that was that was crazy. They couldn't block him. That was um, number thirty-two for Westgate. I was listen. Pleasant, I was listen. Thirty-two. 
31, 7, 1. Two. Like, bro, it was a two. That whole Westgate defense, bro, they was flying around. Yeah. They was flying around and they was about that life. <laughs> it was about it. It was about it, bro. I, I I respect them dudes, bro. I respect that. And uh, and also, man, a lot of people don't know. I don't know if y'all heard the story, but Ryan Antoine, the head coach for Westgate, his mom got admitted into the hospital on Wednesday. Yeah, you know, that was a that was the first game first that she missed. Yeah. And since he's been in Park Ball, she's never missed a game. Um, they offers a line coach got admitted into the hospital the day of the game. So they had a lot going on. They would play inspired football, and you could tell. Um, and I think, you know, that's why Warren DC couldn't get it from the one, bro. It just wasn't meant. What meant? You know, these people just was destined to, to win that state championship. For they was playing for something different. They was playing for something was different. Destined. That was destined. And look, just to kind of uh, move on for a second before we wrap this show up, Travis Hunter making a decision to sign with Jackson State. I thought that was an incredible decision. I thought it was very, very uh, yep. courageous on his part. And for all the people... That's that's giving this kid all kind of flack and 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 talking about him on social media, saying that why would he go to Jackson State? He made a bad decision, and I mean, you whatever you see on social media, it's it's been just ridiculous. And I, I commend that kid because what people don't what people don't understand, and I was getting into it with somebody. Well, not kind of getting into it, but I was kind of giving my take on on Twitter early about right. him going to Jackson State. And the guy on Twitter made a comment and said, have you ever been to Jackson? Have you ever seen their facilities? And my thing is, this kid is going to Jackson State for more than just the town that is in. in. More for more than because we got two nutritionists or we got a nice weight room. He's going to Jackson State because Deion Sanders is a mentor and a father figure. He's teaching young men how to be grown men. And that's the big, and that's the big thing that people need to understand. Yeah, they talk about the NIL deal, but Dion came out today and said he didn't get a million dollars. Nah, did he get some type of money from ball stools? I would imagine so. I don't know how much it was, but Dion said he didn't get anything close to a million. I believe Dion when he says that. The next thing is this: when Travis Hunter went to homecoming at Jackson State, he was blew away. His family was blown away. They would they they love the culture, they love how everybody was interacting with him and his family. And it's great to see your own people act accordingly, and 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 you and you, and you could you can see your child going into an atmosphere where he can look at somebody that looks just like him and relate to him on all type of different levels. PWIs, listen, if the playing field gets even, we leave. You're gonna start see, you're gonna start seeing how it used to be in the old days with the Michael Strahan's. The the uh, the the Walter Payton, Walter Payton the Jerry Rice, the, State, the, the Steve well. McNails of the world. Steve McNails. All it all it Driver, took, Small, all it took Alelius was Williams. a top ranked player to have the balls to go to HBCU and go do it for his own people. And 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 I guarantee you, the TV contracts gonna come, the the shoe company is gonna come, the money is gonna come, the pour into these HBCUs, and that's gonna give them the opportunity to be able to lure more big time prospects. I just hope this starts a trend. I hope that even I hope this this evens the playing field with the PWIs and make college football even when it comes to swag schools and PWIs going forward, man. I commend Travis Hunter, bro. And for everybody that's giving him all kind of scrutiny about this, you are part of the problem. I would say this, not to cut you off, Coach. Robert Valdez um said it perfectly on this show earlier this year. You gotta recruit him. Shout out to Coach Valdez for saying that. You gotta recruit him. 
See, the thing is that they've never been recruited. They've never been recruited. We just found out the whole world get the number one recruit to go to the HBCU. You got to recruit them. You got to recruit them. And then you got to commend Deion Sanders for what he has done for Jackson, the city of Jackson, Jackson State. He has done something so phenomenal. He took the brand of him and made that culture there a part of what he is. And he's constantly exposing good and bad what's going on there. And he made it very visible, and he's made it very transparent. Now, what he's done over there has been phenomenal beyond years. And I think other HBCUs, head coaches who are coming into the SWAC, should take – you don't have to do it the way Dion did it. But I think that you do need to brand your area. You do need to brand what you're doing at your HBCU. And it took that one domino to fall. I commend Travis Hunter for going to Jackson State. He talked about, you know, when he, he had his Twitter post, what Jackson State is at now and what's the future. And talking about the Walter Paytons and, and the Jerry Rice's coming into the SWAT. He wanted to be that. He wanted that part of his legacy. He wanted to probably go to Florida State all his life. But right now, Jackson State is the now. And I commend him and I support him for his decision. And I think he's going to do big and great things at Jackson State. And now, if a domino that can fall, other HBCUs got to get on board and say, you know what? You got to recruit these kids because the transfer portal ain't going nowhere. Sometimes you're going to also have these kids who go to these high-ranked schools and be in that transfer portal. And guess what? I don't think it stops with Travis Hunter. I think each and every high school year you're going to start seeing more four- and five-star recruits if they get recruited and have a great time at their homecoming and, and change the culture of their HBCU, they're going to have more dominoes that fall. That's just what I see. I totally disagree. I totally disagree for the fact of I'm the one guy on this panel that's that's been to H like that actually attended HBCU. Um, this is not nothing new. This is not nothing new. It, it, like I I have I have everything y'all said. Y'all, like y'all have y'all have truths in, in everything y'all said. Um, but like it was a statement that that Fred just said that, that made me cringe. And I just like I wish people would understand like like Jackson State been doing this. Alcorn has been doing this. Prairie View was actually the first HBCU to sign multiple four stars in the in 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 recruiting class for, for the HBCU pro, um, um, community and all that stuff. It's like, um, it's been a couple of, it's been, it was like four years in a row that Alcorn has signed the number one, has signed either the number one or the number two kid in the state of Mississippi to their class, who was a four or, or, or three-star kid. Um, but, the, but the difference is, Hen, the difference is they said that this is the first player in the top 50 yeah, to yeah, ever yeah, go yeah, to yeah, a swag school. No, 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 no. I, I, that, that's what I was, giving, you know, saying like, now, nah, I, now, nah, I'm not sitting here saying that that the significance of this is is different because he's the highest ranking player the ever. Player. To the, like, I, I I accept that, but to say it's because of Dion, not, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm not putting words up. I'm not just but but that's that's what the general like Dion done this for HBCU. Dion do that. HBCUs was hit before Dion. The one the one of the reasons why a lot of the people give. Like, like, kind of, a uh, kind of front at Jack State is not because of Jack State's succeeding. Because, like, they this is they've 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 won swag championships before. This is their first swag championship in in ten years. All right, the the, the reason why they they kind of looking they frowning upon is like this talent has always been kind of there. This atmosphere, the atmosphere hadn't changed. 
the absolute hang change has been the same absolute before Dion got there, since Dion got there. The culture has hasn't changed since Dion got there. The media has. That, that, let me finish, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the only day, and it's because of him. But if you would have drawn the same resources into that program, like for his media and all that stuff, as a bell. Because Bell has, co- co- I mean, not Coach Comedy. Coach Comedy has more NFL players in the, in the league than Dion did in his first two years. You know, Coach Johnny Thomas um, at Alcorn had multiple NFL guys. The list goes on and on. You, you can't even talk about the great Pete Richardsons and all that stuff. Dion didn't, you know, now what Dion did was he was the first former, like high profile former. College, I mean NFL player that came and he's all and he was already on the media circuit and all that stuff that came, but he didn't change that for eight for the for the total HBUs. That's why people look at that's why guys that went to HBCUs and all that stuff they're sitting there. We all when, when y'all say like comments like that's like the talent's been there, the the only thing the exposure just hadn't been there. Like what you said, and one of the main thing is. The guys haven't recruited the people. Like, we had people, like, we, we you have people, like, there's no reason why Sutton or, or Gramlin shouldn't be at Amy, shouldn't be at Carr, shouldn't be at, at um, you know what I'm saying? They, they, not, they not there, and then when they, when they do come to recruit, they don't put their best foot forward. Because yeah, they don't believe the exposure. You know what I'm saying? You you bring you you recruit somebody, but you bring them to a basketball game. They're not coming to play basketball. They come to play football. Show them the true experience. You know what I'm saying? Now I, I give I give credit to Dion for that. But this, like I said, this has been happening. And all, the only difference is, this is the this is a guy who has a following, who came who came there. That's a, that's a, that's the equivalent of, uh, the somebody like a Michael Jordan or something going coach basketball at at a um at a at a HBCU. There's 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 good there's there's been good basketball in the HBCU, but now you get the legit exposure right right then and there. That's the only difference. The the, the legit exposure. No one's no one's denying the HBCU talent. No one's denying the experience of an HBCU. What Dion brought was exposure. That's it. But but, but you said the, but that exposure you, is that exposure what matters. But you but you but you, I'm just taking your exact word. You said he brought his culture there. No no no, no that culture's been there. That culture's been there from, from since since Walter Payton, since John Derry, since Reggie Slaughter, since um what's the uh since the uh Jimmy Smith. You know I'm what quite that sure that, that culture, every HBCU that, that has been, every been HBCU there. has their own culture and every HBCU has their own attendance. No one's denying that. But at this level now, with the media and everything that's coming around, they haven't had this attendance. Yes, they have. They, 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 the attendance, the, the the t- somebody who played against them, I'm telling you that it's been games this year that that we played in that they had more attendance than. They still hadn't broken the record from the attendance that we had three consecutive years of playing Jackson State on BET TV, on, on, on black college football on BET. <clears throat> the only difference is you got somebody there that an ESPN camera is going to be there consistently watching what's going on. They consistently get to see it. That's the only difference. That's what's required. And 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 we live in a trendy world. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a trendy world. So so I mean, if if it took somebody like Dion to come bring awareness to the sweat, shit, so be it. So be it. It is what it is. I mean, you know, I I don't I I, I knew I've been knew about 
you know, all the talent that has came through the swag yeah. over the years, going back to when I was a little kid, you know, but at the end of the day, we live in a trendy world, like I just said. And if somebody like Dion, if Ray Lewis gets a job at an HBCU, the same thing gonna happen. It's just, that's mm -hmm. the world we live in. People like to follow the trend. And Dion is a is, a, is somebody that's good in front of the camera. Yep. He 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 understands he understands how to how to how to get the proper exposure. He knows how to put his his kids in a proper situation to get yep. exposure. He has all his stuff set up with NIL. Like he got a documentary following him. Correct. So when you add He's all those elements, He's when you add all those elements, of course it's going to get blew out the water, and, and everybody's going to be talking about the swag now. But that doesn't take that doesn't take away from what the swag has been in the past, hey? that doesn't take away that the swag has always had talent. And all the thing is now it's been it's being exposed. publicized. Yeah. It's been publicized and it's bringing a lot of awareness uh, to it because of Deion yes, Sanders. And I think even when Deion Sanders decides to stop coaching, I think what he has added, the element he has added to the HBCU, I think this is going to make more kids want to go to HBCU schools and the, and the swag is going to be in good hands going forward. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. At the end of the day, what he brought there is the love of exposure. We not no one's taking away the culture or the talent that has been there. But when you could get a kid of that caliber to commit to a HBCU, that's because of exposure. Bottom line, that kid don't go there because of football IQ or Nexus and know to be coached by Dion. He went there because of the exposure. And I think and, that, and, and listen, listen, listen. I, I you know and Pete Richardson, Coach Pete Richardson, and all the other. Swag coaches that they came, Eddie Robinson that they came through the swag, they were great coaches. coaches. But at the end of the day, Dion is looked at as the best DB of all time. Who wouldn't want to go coach by the best DB of all time? I don't know if any other swag coach that come through the, the swag history could say that. So right. that's another element that you got to think about. This Travis Hunter kid, yeah, he, he going to play both ways at, at, at Jackson State. But when that kid get ready to go to NFL, he going to be playing defensive back. And who, who you want to learn from? The best. Dion is definitely the best, and Dion is gonna put that kid in position to be a first round talent when it's all said that if he go there and commit himself and, and, and make sure he put in the work. Gotta commend him for it. Gotta commit. I just think that other kids would also take the same road as as Travis Hunter. It's not gonna happen immediately. I know we gotta get it ready to wrap up, it's not gonna happen immediately. But the other SWAC head coaches start to brand their school from a social media standpoint. Every time you see Dion saying he's on every social media platform. Pumping up Jackson State. This is not the time for Swag School to be out here probably doing things in a very traditional form way. You're going to have to brand this social media-wise. And that level of exposure which brings the Under Armors and the Adidas and everyone else. Because that's what Dion has brought. The other programs are going to have to get on board and keep this exposure thing going. Like if you Eddie George, yeah, why not? If I'm a top running back in the country, why not when I want to be coached by Eddie George? He's one. He's a former Heisman Trophy winner. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler in the NFL. Why not? But Eddie George going to have to promote Jackson State and things like that. But, again, great show, guys. I appreciate you having on. Appreciate um, Ken Trahan for, for joining us today. Y'all, subscribe, tune in, lock into FanView Live, Real Fans Talk Sports on the Walls Talk Network. We are on Facebook, like the page. We're on YouTube, like the page. And don't forget, we're on all major social media platforms. We're on Twitter at FanView Nola. We're on IG, FanView Live. And we're also on Spotify. You can download the podcast there. We're also on Google Podcasts. We're also on Apple Podcasts and many more. Subscribe and like the FanView Live page. 
And we deeply, deeply appreciate each and every follower for this show. Thank y'all. Y'all have a great day. And Coach Hurricane Hen, welcome back, baby. Look at all state championship like G Sports looking on the Zoom call, looking all swag out. Jackson State, baby. Turn down for what?